welcome to the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast, a show dedicated to modern learning and development with your hosts, Daniel Mendoza and Scott Babcock. It's podcast day. Welcome to the show. This is If You Build It, Will They Learn. I'm Scott Babcock and with me, not as always, but most of the time is Daniel Mendoza. You heard that right. Daniel is back. So you won't have to listen to me drone on and on this podcast. Thank you for all of those that uh, managed to stick it through the entire episode last time. Uh, hopefully you got some good stuff out of it, but we've got Daniel back. We're going to get some good insight. Daniel, how have you been doing? Doing well. Happy to be back. I uh, love the fact you made it sound like I'm just here some of the time. Meanwhile, um, a few weeks ago, you were the one missing and I, I've, I've missed one of 20 weeks. That's okay. Well, I usually say with me as always, but we have one week where you weren't here, so I can't say all the time anymore. I, but I wanted to clarify that. That's all. I've, I've ruined the entire introduction. With yeah, the- I've got to switch and pivot now. So, all right. On the show today, we are going to be talking about fixed versus growth mindsets. This is kind of uh, a tie-in to our past episodes, specifically around the valuation components that we've been talking about over the last two weeks on the podcast. And we want to talk about what is fixed mindset? What is growth mindset? And how does that play into the learning and development space? How does it play into your real life? Uh, and what are some examples and ways you can uh, help your learners bridge that gap in terms of uh, what is that to them? So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into it. It's always good to start at the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about what is the definition of fixed and growth mindsets. Um, so this actually is... Uh, A lot of research has been done by Dr. Carol Dweck. A fixed mindset, and we've probably all had this conversation, is the belief that you are who you are and that you have fixed limitations in your life. We'll talk a lot about what that actually means and ways you can kind of maybe envision that in your own life. A growth mindset is the belief that if you work hard or if you put forth effort, you can actually increase your performance. You can make yourself better. You can constantly grow. There's always room for improvement, if you will, and that you don't have a cap on where you can be. Again, we've talked about it. And I want to give the example of where this ties in to our past episodes. And we can kind of use that as our kicking off point. We talked about evaluation. We talked about when you have set your KPIs and you go to do your measurement and they don't come back the way you expect. Are you treating that as, well, it was, it was a miss. We didn't make it. This is a botched program and there's nowhere for it to go. We should just cancel it. Or are you taking it in the opportunity space and saying, if we focus on finding the root cause of why it maybe didn't hit the mark, we can start to tweak it and make it even better and get it to where the KPI is actually being moved. That was sort of the tie-in we wanted to go in today, but it does tie to learning. It ties to your everyday life. And we want to talk about that more today. Yeah, I think it's a I'm excited to kind of dive deeper into these two definitions. I think it's a conversation that happens a lot without really knowing that it's going on. I think it, it, it's one of those very relatable topics that regardless of your experience in um, the learning space, it's, it's constantly going on day to day as you, you know, read or acquire knowledge or do anything. So fixed versus growth is a, is a huge conversation topic similar to uh, learning styles it's one that uh, a lot of people have opinions on, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to dive deeper into it. We want to maybe take a little diversion here to start the show off and talk about uh, fixed and growth mindsets in daily activities. So this is a topic that isn't just L&D related. I think that's 
part of what makes this interesting and fun for us is that we're not just talking about L&D. We will get there and how that can play in. But sometimes it's easiest to give you some real world examples on where we see this coming in. These things happen all the time. And I'm going to, again, I'll give another example that we've probably all heard at some point. We kind of talk through it a little bit and then how that relates to other areas is, especially in school, you were probably told uh, at some point, well, you're just not a, a math person or you're just not a English person, or it's just not your strength, as, as that case might be, that sets you in a place like, well, what's the point of trying at math? Or what's the point at trying to be a better writer if that's just not something I'm going to ever be good at? What that does ultimately is it limits how much you're going to take on, how hard you're going to try, and probably caps the amount of intellectual growth you're going to be able to absorb from a learning perspective. But those things apply to everything else. I'm not athletic. I'm not fast. I'm not strong. We need to understand where are legit real limits and where do we have growth potential. I know sports is a big one. And Daniel, as a coach, like I'm sure you probably talk about this with your athletes quite a bit. Do you have some good examples of where maybe you've had that conversation or the way you work with your athletes to understand that effort really matters? In the development of an athlete or a person in general, it's a big component of I guess their, their natural trajectory and fulfilling their potential. So we always talk about, you know, the development curve. So, so up until a certain point, everybody, no, no player or no athlete or human learns how to read at age 12. And then that's, that's the extent of their reading skill just by living and acquire and, and reading and being part of everyday life. You're going to continue to grow um, until your, your, you know, your child development curve stops what we always try to talk about is shifting the curve that way it is more exponential um, and getting outside of the fixed mindset that, yeah, my trajectory is going to be consistent year to year and I can't get any better or worse than what I'm going to progress. Um, so you have to start to ask questions of yourself around when you want to transition to that growth mindset. So like comments and, and statements like, it's okay, you tried your best um, are one of the things that we try to stay away from with our athletes because trying is part of the growth process and best puts a cap on it, right? We, we look at taking that, that concept of best and instead of looking at it as a, as a ceiling, look at it as a, as a point in time, right? So you achieved what was possible today, right? And, and where, where can you go in the process next to make sure that we're tilting that development curve upwards? It's, a, it's not an easy conversation to have because some athletes, especially at the university level where I am, feel like they are who they are and, and this is where they're going to be. But most of the athletes to get to where they were, were able to get out of that fixed mindset and realize that, okay, I can be better than that person or I can, I can improve certain skills. Now that I've rambled on a little bit about that, I think, I think, it's just, there's so many different ways of questions you need to ask of yourself. The process of improving and the process of growing our understanding of, of what your actual objectives are. I, I use this example of like wanting to actually get better at certain skills, which I think is a big part of everyday life. So you see ki kids in school, you brought up the math example. Like if someone doesn't want to get better at math, that's a very fixed mindset of like, this is who I am and this is where I am. Typically you start to talk about the passion when people are passionate about stuff. That's when their mentality can help them shift to a growth mindset. I see this a ton. Uh, you're coaching more at maybe the university level, the collegiate level. I spend more time on youth fields uh, and youth basketball courts when I coach and things like that. And we see this a ton with 
youth athletes, especially young kids who are just starting out. And they very much have this mindset that this is how I throw a ball and I'm never going to throw it harder. Or this is how I shoot and I can't, you know, I'm a bad shooter or I'm just not going to be able to jump as high as someone else. And while the reality of biomechanics says that there is probably a cap to how high you're going to jump as someone who has what uh, I had an eighth grade basketball coach told me I had a credit card vertical, which basically meant I could jump so high, (laughs) just slide a credit card underneath my feet. You know, I knew there was a limit. I was never going to be Michael Jordan and have a 48 inch vertical. That was just never a thing that was going to happen. But we, we encourage kids to understand that it's about the working and the effort and the growth you see at a youth level is amazing. So again, we've talked about my son plays baseball. He's in the middle of it right now and he's a catcher and he's going to be moving into nine U where kids are allowed to steal. And just within the last month, he realized, holy cow, it's no longer just me behind a plate blocking pitches and throwing back to the pitcher. I'm going to have to learn how to pop up and try to throw a kid out from home plate to second base. And the first time we went out and he started just kind of figuring out if he even could do it, he was two hopping everything to the second baseman. And he got so frustrated that day saying, I can't do it. I can't throw to the second baseman. And we, I had, we had to have a conversation that said, you can't do it today. And I think that's the difference, right? Yes, today you didn't get it there. But that doesn't mean you can't do it forever. It meant you couldn't do it right now. And over the course of the last month, he's been working on it, working on it. He's working on his distance. He's working on his accuracy. And he's getting better. So now it's not every time, but he's one-hopping it to the base. Or he's actually getting it right there more often than not. And his mindset had to change over the last month. And it has, which is awesome, to see him go, oh, I can do this, but I see with youth athletes, the starting point for them is always that fixed mindset of, I can't do it. The first time they fail, they just shut down and it, it takes them a lot of repetition to realize, oh, it's figuring out the mechanics. It's figuring out the practice and getting some kind of muscle memory and some rhythm, learning to do strength training or whatever that is. And then they go, oh yeah, I can do this. The crazy part for me with youth athletes is they forget it on the next thing they need to try. They don't remember that it worked really well over a two week period. And then you're like, okay, let's try the next step in whatever it is you need to do. And they're like, oh, I can't do this. You're like, you literally just did this. Let's keep that mindset going. And that's so hard for that youth athlete. You know, I'll use another example. And and like you said, it is coaching a lot of youth soccer in my life. It you see the you can and you can see the change in a, in a in an athlete that has a growth mindset from week to week. It happens so fast with them. But I'm in a situation, and one of my assistant coaches said to me that it's so unique to see a university level athlete progress the way we have one athlete progressing. And the biggest thing that I can accredit to that is self awareness. So of understanding where your mindset's at. So she she approaches the game as she says, "I know I'm not at the university level of play that I need to be at." now but i think within 12 months i can be there and then she started to reverse engineer of of like her skill set what's at a university level now so she's not that she's not diving all in on those things but she's kind of fixed those like those are where i need them to be today let's look at these other things i need to i need to really bulk up and 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 she puts so much effort into certain skills every single practice that we have and you just see leaps and bounds with her skill where she is at a level, a university level after her one year. And now she's, now she's reevaluated like, okay, how do I become a starter? And it's great to start asking yourself those questions. But one of the things related to fixing growth that I think ties in really well is, is self-awareness. So, you know, to see your son be able to, to realize like, okay, I can't do that today. And it's not that I will never be able to do it, but I can't do it today. But if I work hard at it, I can get better. And then I will be able to do it. I think it's a big mentality I'm switching. And I think that's where like 
educators, coaches, trainers, facilitators, which we'll dive into a bit more, get into a place where they have such an important role in the development of children or employees or uh, collegiate athletes or whoever it may be by kind of helping guide them through the door, through the mindset that they need to kind of put out there. Yeah, and I'll give, I'll give a quick teaser too, because we're going to end up talking about our favorite word. Uh, wait for it later in the segment, but it's also a big part of that self-realization is understanding where you are today, but also where you want to be. And we'll talk about that more too. We talked a lot about sports. I want to give one more kind of real life example that we've probably all heard some version of a saying that says the only way to conquer your fears is to face them. And in a lot of ways that can be applicable too. Um, so I used to run, uh, I've had a weird career path and trajectory. So I used to be a high ropes coordinator. Uh, basically I, helps people do climbing walls and do zip lining and stuff. So we spent a lot of time up in the trees. And inevitably, you always had kids, adults, everyone say, I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of heights. And the reality is, that's not unusual. Tons of people are scared of heights. But it is amazing to watch someone who says, I'm scared of heights, but I really want to ride on the zip line. And the only way to do that is to climb 30, 40 feet up into a tree and then stand on a small platform with a facilitator is going to hook your ropes up, make sure you're all safe. But once they do it and they keep doing it, they realize that I can, I can do this and they can start to overcome that. And they grow in that experience to start to overcome a fear. It is normal to have fears, but it is, are you in a position where you're like, in order to get past this fear would let me accomplish something I really want to do. Um, For a lot of people, that's a huge thing. My mom was a zookeeper. Uh, which is a fun, she's also had a weird trajectory uh, in her career, but um, so she was a zookeeper for a long time and she was terrified of snakes, but she knew in order to be a zookeeper, she was going to have to work with snakes at some point as part of her job. The reality is by the end of her time as a zookeeper, she actually had pet snakes in the house. Uh, She had gotten to a point where she'd actually overcome that fear to a point where she actually liked it so much. She found a a renewed passion around a a different kind of animal and realizing their value and, and things like that. We can go into a whole different biology podcast on another day. But I think fear is another place where we see that fixed mindset. Some people just say, I'm never getting it past it. And if you don't have the motivation to do it, you might not. That's okay too. But if you can find that motivation to get past it, you, you that's that growth mindset kicking in saying, I, I'm there today, but tomorrow I'm going to get to a place where I can do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more and grow in that. First off, Scott, I never knew your mom was a zookeeper and that is awesome. Uh, and, and, and second off, no, I think the conquering of your fears, going back to the self-awareness, I think it's a it's a big a big part of why people stay in the same place. I think if you use a sport analogy, you know, people who've never been to the playoffs or never been to a championship game, you know, struggle to ever get there or win because they feel like they can't. Um, I'll use an example from my childhood. I had a speech impediment growing up. Um, and if you would have told me back when I was in fifth grade or grade five for, you know, the Canadians on the podcast to talk about me being a salesperson and going into boardrooms and pitching to executives and that, I I don't think that would have been a thing that I would have thought about, but my mom really pushed me to continue to give speeches and make presentations. And I think it's one of the the things that I'm strongest at now. Um, And I never, ever wanted to stand up because I felt like I couldn't public speak. I think fear is a, is a part that you have to look at and overcoming those things really help with, with transitioning to a growth mindset. We are a learning and development podcast at heart, obviously. Um, and, and those of you who are listening probably expected a little less sports and maybe a little less uh, fear, but uh, and we're expecting more on learning. So let's spend some time talking about how does this show up in the learning and development space? What does it mean to learning when you have a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset? How do you as a learning and development professional or someone who's interested in the, in the career path, 
start to execute on ways to encourage the shift from a fix to a growth. I think that's one of the things, if you took anything from uh, the segment just before this, is you aren't one of these things. You can switch and change your kind of mindset to adjust. So a huge part of the learning effort is getting people to stop thinking in terms of, I'm not good at math, and start thinking in terms of, I'm not good in math today or yet, but I'm going to get good at math. Um, obviously, I'm not sure that's grammatically correct. So maybe I have English that <laughs> I need not, to be working I'm on. Not, I'm not sure it is either, but that's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep running with it. So one of the ways you can kind of get someone to stop thinking in the frame of, this is just something I can't do, or I'm not talented in this, or I'm never going to be XYZ, right? Is start praising their effort rather than their intelligence or their brain power capability today. It's one of the things that we do a ton of is um, a lot of times we say, hey, Daniel mentioned it, you did your best. Wait, did you really do your best or did you hit where you were your best so far? And it's really about saying like, you, I really love the energy and enthusiasm you're putting around this versus saying, well, you know, you did pretty well. Uh, the outcome is less important than the the process to get there for learners. And what we, there are studies out there that have actually shown when you praise the effort rather than the outcome or the intelligence, those learners tend to progress at a faster rate. So you're increasing their retention level. You're increasing their mastery of that skill or that process. So start focusing on praising effort, uh, praising the energy around it, praising the passion around it, and praising that growth, the movement, rather than just, uh, say, a grade at the end of the day. Related to those items, I, and using L&D as the example Today, I think it goes back to, we've talked about it before, about building a, a culture of learning. Um, I think you have to ask yourself the question of like, you know, do I want to learn? As you, as you transition to building a culture of learning within your organization, um, within a team, et cetera, I think you need to just encourage people to learn. It doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have 10% knowledge on a topic or 80% knowledge on a topic. Encouraging the concept of education or learning allows to start the growth mindset to occur. So I, I think some of the ways that that this has I've seen happened is in the past is content or learning related content on topics that don't have knowledge checks involved that are just really knowledge-based articles. They could be podcasts, they could be videos, whatever whatever the content type is, but they don't have knowledge checks attached to them. So you're really just encouraging people to learn without consequence. So it's not it's not learn and then if you don't take in what you need to take in, you fail. It's just learning to learn. And like you said, praising the effort of going out, finding a resource, looking to add a little bit more knowledge to your to yourself. And I think that 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 encouragement of, hey, just go out, learn, take something that interests you. Maybe on it's on these topics. I think you look at, people don't realize this a lot when just in everyday life, but news articles and blogs and podcasts and those things, like those are examples of, of learning. Those are examples of taking a step into wanting to go to a growth mindset, because when you read a, new, read a news article, you're actually taking in knowledge and facts um, and not just accepting the fact that what you know about politics or sports or whatever is, is what it is today. So I think just encouraging that activity of learning or taking some sort of training, uh, maybe without measurement at that time, helps develop that culture of learning. And with culture of learning and where your your learners are is helping them understand what drives them and what motivates them. So as a learner, it is 
really important in your training to set those clear objectives. I told you the word was coming and let them understand this is what you can accomplish with this. And we have mentioned it. We will mention it again as well is there's, there's motivating factors a, a learner uses and helping them understand why they want to become better also helps put them in the mindset of growth. So is it that you want to learn just to become smarter, uh, to gain knowledge, to learn for the sake of learning, if you will. There are a number of learners that that is their primary goal. They're looking to acquire information so that they can maybe dialogue better with peers. They can be more fluent in their understanding. Uh, It's just something they have a passion around. But there are also extrinsic motivators, things like incentivized programs. So can I win a prize for doing this? That's an option. Um, some people learn because they want to get promoted or they're looking to excel their career. And so the acquisition of knowledge, the acquisition of growth is all about reaching another plateau in their career or their their personal life that allows them to have some additional sense of uh, accomplishment. There's something they're gaining from it. So helping them understand why they're learning also gives them that motivation to understand if you grow, you can reach that that milestone or that objective. If they're in a place where they don't see the end goal in mind, then they don't believe they can get, or if they're in a place where they don't believe they can get to that end goal because they're in that fixed mindset, then they can't continue to learn. Um, and I think all of that also comes from uh, just, again, it's, it's what you do in your content, but it's also setting up that culture that uh, Daniel referenced around your leaders and your facilitators, your instructors, setting that same tone that growth is good for everybody. All of us can progress and get better if we really are, are focused on that. Yeah, I think in the in the corporate, um, or thinking about the L&D perspective, even from an HR perspective, uh, sitting down, whether it's through assessment or one-on-one um, with team members that you maybe are training, or in this case, leaders who you may be serving, and asking what those objectives are and understanding that, you know, where you want that employee to go. And then the manager maybe is in charge of, of showing them that direction. But when you talk about promotions or raises or, you know, you talk about gamification, but those are also objectives you can set of taking this training, developing, you know, hitting on these, these kind of checkpoints along the way can push you in that direction. I think it's helpful in, in guiding someone into that growth mindset of, of what's the end goal, because it it takes a unique individual. um, And lots of people talk about it. Joel Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers is, is famous for being like the process, the process, the process. Um, Like we talked about earlier, it's not always about the destination, but it it takes a lot of, it takes a unique individual to, to care more about the process and the final destination. And most people uh, intrinsically are driven by the end goal. So people work to make money to go on vacation. I'm using other examples, right? They want to be good so they can make a certain team. They want to improve in their role at work so they can get promoted to manager or whatever that may be, but helping identify those objectives, assist your employees in understanding that the process of learning and getting better at your job is the most important part. And that's really what you're trying to strive to, I think, in most cases, uh, because you just want a more educated workforce for the most part. So I think, I think, like you mentioned, Scott, the objectives are important. So everybody knows where the organization's at, where they should be at, where their their department, their manager's at to help guide them um, in the right, right direction. And those objectives will just they set the tone for what you can accomplish with this training and having those set out up front helps everyone just understand uh, so that they can apply that to their own perspective. We've talked a little bit about how it shows up in your daily life. We've talked about 
how it affects learning as a whole and how you can start to put some of those pieces in place for learning specifically. But lastly, we just want to spend a, a really quick amount of time talking through what does the transition of someone, if you have someone in your in your life, in your classrooms, in your in your world that is in a fixed mindset, how do you help them get to a place of growth? Again, we talked about it's not a status that is a status. I don't know if I've ever said the word status before, but that's all right. Grammar, grammar, grammar and pronunciation, not your strong suit today, Scott. Apparently not. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep moving on. It's not a fixed place to pun intended, I guess, but it's not a static thing that is you forever. You have the ability to grow and change that mindset to get to a place where you're, you're looking to progress. So really it's that first step. I think we've, we've kind of talked about it is understanding the phrasing that is a fixed mindset. So am I sure I can do that? I don't think I can. That's outside of my skill set. You know, I did my best, but it wasn't enough. If that's your phrasing, it's helping people understand when they say those. And I'll be honest that a lot of times just as peer-to-peer accountability, like, hey, that's not the attitude we got to go with or, you know, help people understand. And when you hear it from someone else, just let them know you're hearing that phrasing from them, I think helps, again, with that self-awareness that Daniel mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think, and related to that first step, I'm going to use a sales example. Obviously, that's my my role, but we see this a lot. I'm, I'm a big believer that you don't sell to the unsellable, but a lot of times when we go through the pitching process, there's reasons why we are ruled out of a piece of business or whatever that may be. And a lot of the times we have to go back into the question of, yeah, this, this client's not for us or, ah, you know, we, we showed them everything we had when the reality of it is, it's just like, maybe we're not there today, but do we want our product and our company to grow in that direction to be that solution? So, so I think, you know, individually, but there's also other ways from a corporate perspective to look at growth mindset as well, making sure that instead of saying like, Hey, yeah, that we're not the right solution for them. It's we're not the right solution for them today or currently. We're just early on in our process. That's a great segue to to number two, which is once you've identified that you're saying the thing like, we're not the right solution for that client. The second step is understanding that you, you have the choice to decide, holy cow, that's not the final product. Should we have been the right choice? Could we have been the right choice? Do we want to be the right choice? And understanding that you have that decision power to say, we weren't the right choice today, but we want a client like that. We want to do that kind of work. We want that type of platform to exist. And you have choice to make that decision. So if, you, if you're recognizing that you're saying those things, but recognizing that you don't have to say those things, that's really the second choice that if you can get them past this static place where that's how I think to the place where I could make a choice to think differently, that's really the second step, um, helping them see the other side. I think it's very self-explanatory. I think as you get, you go later in life and you mature and become an adult, I think people will, will say this and, and it's, it comes down to, you know, going in on things that you're good at and maybe using, if you have, I'll use my example of like public speaking. Now I believe that I'm a good public speaker and I'm a good presenter and those sorts of things, like just refining that craft rather than I know writing is not a strong point of mine. I'm, I'm not behind the scenes looking to, to become a better writer because in my, in, in my life currently, I don't need to be a good writer or I don't need to write well. So I just, I, I go in on my public speaking and my presenting and those sorts of skills to get better at what I'm good at. And I've made a choice that, Hey, you know what, this is who I am from a writing perspective. It's satisfactory and, and uh, it satisfies everybody's needs. And, and then we move on. So I think that choice is a big, a big proponent to kind of this transition. And then I think 
you know, so we'll step to the kind of the third stage then is if you, if you're aware that you say things like I've done my best, or I don't think I can do that, or, you know, we're just, you know, we were never going to be right for them to understanding you have the choice to decide to act differently. Then it's about learning to change that statement, uh, that way of thinking to what we call a growth voice to changing the phrasing. So again, we weren't the right solution for that client today, but we will be, or I'm not particularly skilled at writing today, but I'm going to get better. If you can kind of take the perception that it's all about looking to progress and that you want to improve uh, and you're changing those statements around. And a lot of times it's just acknowledging I made the statement, realizing what it would take to change the statement to be in a more growth type of mindset. That's really that next step. So just learning to kind of take the phrase you've said, saying the phrase isn't a problem. It's understanding how you want that phrase to change moving forward. And lastly, then, is uh, taking the growth mindset action, um, which is really, again, just about acting on it. So if you've said, I'm not going to be, I'm not a great writer today, but I want to keep getting better. It's now taking those steps. Should, does that mean you should go take a class on creative writing or writing for des instructional design? Does it mean that if you are scared of heights, you're going to go do some high ropes course type activities or skydive, I guess, if you're really looking to just take the full leap, pun intended again. Uh, you know, whatever that is, figure out what those steps are and put yourself on a path where you're actually going to start making that progress towards growth. Daniel referenced it from a coaching perspective that if you have an athlete who says, my goal is to improve my footwork, starting to work on how that practice is going to come along. And once they get to a place where they've reached that achievement, are they then setting a next goal so that they're continuing to grow? And like he said, maybe it's eventually to crack the starting lineup, but you know, there's certain steps that will get you there and you, and maybe taking those in, in, kind of a crawl, walk, run approach saying, I'm going to take the first step, then the second step, then the third step. And eventually I'll start running and, and get to that final end goal. I know we talked about this in our, in our prep, Scott, we didn't bring it up, but I think it, it ties in three and four really well. Um, and it's great for athletes and at work as well. Like everybody, there's that, there's that notion that you're kind of the average of your five closest friends or, you know, people that you interact with, um, whether it's your spouse or whoever. And I think that when it comes to a growth mindset, if you are surrounded by individuals who are satisfied with where they are and they're in a fixed mindset, it's very, very hard to start speaking in a growth mindset way and start to take action. I always love the idea of approach the people who are closest to you, whether it's at work or, or, or at home or in a sport you're involved in and ask them to keep you honest. Ask them to, hey, if you hear me talking like this, can you just say something to me? because I'm trying to get better at what I'm doing and being surrounded by people who want to always get better or want to look to always improve is something that's great. I, I use the athletics example related to growth mindset action. Like you said, Scott, you know, jumping right in, going to do something. Athletes who want to get stronger and want to get faster and want to get quicker, if they're surrounded by people who don't like going to the gym, typically it's very, very difficult to take action. Looking at your, your inner circle and helping them keep you honest and uh, your trajectory towards a growth mindset can assist in the transition. It can also be that support that you need on a day that, um, and I think one of the examples we we talked about that, uh, like you mentioned, that Carol Dweck brought up was just like, I can't lose weight. Um, I think it's a great example of like, if you have people around you who want to help you with that transition and help you with that action, it makes it easier to go through those four steps and have some success at the end of it. Come on, get happy. All right, we, we end the show every week on a positive note. 
Uh, I think there's tons of hope and energy around our conversation today. It is all about growth and positivity in itself and getting to that place. So it's a great place to finish today's episode is with a positive notion, something that brings us a little energy. Uh, I'm going back to the well a little bit. I'm going back to baseball. Uh, This last weekend, my son played in a tournament and they won in what I'll call the big boy division. Um, So they've they've won a couple of the tournaments that were in the like second level, the double A level of the, the tournament. This week, they, they played in the AAA, they made it through the pool play, got to the AAA bracket, and came away with just some awesome wins on the last day. It was so much fun to watch them as they've grown. It, we're reaching the end of this season, and it was just, you know, watching the joy on their faces, the coaches' faces, uh, the parents, and just the camaraderie that's there. Uh, it's such a positive way to, to interact and, and just be a part of, of the whole thing. So uh, loved being being on the field. It was a beautiful weekend for baseball. It's, it's a little cooler in Tennessee. I'm not going to complain about that either. And yeah, just watching the kids win uh, and take home a big trophy and uh, they get these championship rings. That was not something I got when I was a kid, but they all have these huge blinged out rings that they come home with now. So, uh, <laughs> and they wear them around like they just won the Super Bowl, and, and they're all convinced they're worth $2 million. So uh, it's really fun to watch them. And again, they, they ride that high for a while, and it's just kind of, it's cool to see that adrenaline rush for them. Speaking of Super Bowl, um, the NFL season is around the corner. I, I, I'm a fan of the Tennessee Titans, which is which I always find really odd because you you know you're from Nashville and I'm a random randomly I'm a Titans fan. Um, but in saying that, uh, I am uh, you know Scott, I get to join your fantasy football league this year, and I think that over over the years, what I look forward to the most with with the NFL season is fantasy football. Uh, I always like awkwardly cheering for. Uh, random plays. I need like a, a, you know, a touchdown pass thrown by this guy to this running back uh, in this random scenario, but this other guy can't be on the field or else I lose points that way. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about fantasy football season coming around the corner. Going to give, you know, another thing to keep my mind off of, uh, you know, day-to-day life, but uh, in, in 2020, but I'm excited for fantasy football. Should be an exciting season. Yeah, we were pretty stoked to find out that Daniel was looking for a new league and we happen to have uh, an open space in ours. We've had a league going for quite a while. We've grown. We've, we are now an international international club uh, by joining the, with the Canadians. So, uh, we're expanding globally if, as a fantasy football league. I do love that if you are a football fan and you, you turn on the three o'clock games, there's always a game you're like, ugh, I have no interest in watching this because it's two teams you, you don't care that much about. But fantasy football might give you an opportunity to say, oh, my running back's playing at 3 o'clock. All of a sudden, I have renewed interest in Broncos Chargers or whatever's playing at 3 <laughs> yeah. uh, It gives me more reason to watch more of the games. Uh, and, yeah, it's been fun to, to do. Again, we've been doing it for almost 20 years, I think. So really excited about uh, having Daniel join us as well and just having it back on the on the docket. All right, that will do it for us today. I'm Scott Babcock. He's Daniel Mendonca, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Join the conversation by emailing us at podcast at haylight.com. Find us on social media at Build It, Learn It, and be sure to check us out on the web at www.haylight.com. That's H-A-L-I-G-H-T dot com.